The following program was pre-recorded on WFAN. It's time for Hello, My Name is Craig, our weekly candid conversation about gambling addiction. It's supported by the Council on Compulsive Gambling of New Jersey, 800-GAMBLER. Now, here's Craig Carton. Good morning and welcome to another edition of Hello, My Name is Craig. Craig Carton with you as always for the next 30 minutes. A frank, open, and honest conversation about the world of gambling addiction. I always start the show by saying we don't espouse any specific beliefs. And I do that because there's a, a number of wonderful organizations out there that have helped you know, the hundreds of thousands of gambling addicts overcome the addiction. And they're not all the same. So rather than walk you through all the different manners of getting help, we just try to have an open conversation and let you know that there are a number of avenues you can uh, go down to get the help that you need. Or just as importantly, you know, if you have a loved one, who has a problem, hopefully a show like this makes you more aware of the problem, can kind of put a name on the problem, and then we can get you the resources to go get help. One of those major resources is the Council on Compulsive Gambling in New Jersey, better known to you as 1-800-GAMBLER, and their assistant uh, director, our dear friend Dan Chalaro, joins us as always. Danny, good morning. How are you? Uh, well, Craig, happy first day of May. Yes, we made it to May. We're still Thank alive. You. That's a good thing. Like I always <laughs> say, if I wake up tomorrow, I'll deal with tomorrow. So I'm gonna, right now, I'm just going to deal with today. Um, joining us also from New Jersey is a, uh, a woman named Danielle, who, like myself and Dan, is a uh, recovering uh, compulsive gambler and was uh, kind enough to join us this morning and share her story. Danielle, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Craig. I'm doing great. Thanks to you and Dan for having me on. Yeah, and likewise, we really do appreciate these stories uh, are really uh, not just emotional, but I think uh, stories like the one you're going to share with us are the most powerful uh, tools we have in making people aware of the addiction and then, you know, we have fingers crossed how to overcome the addiction. So if you don't mind sharing, uh, first off, how long have you been in recovery and how's it going for you right now day to day? Sure, thank you. So my last date of bet was July 31st of 2018, and I recently celebrated 1,000 days a day at a time, and I have been in my meetings since that night uh, when I came clean. Actually, I'm sorry, it was the next day I went to a meeting, and it has opened my world up to possibilities and things that I didn't think I could do because I'm no longer gambling and I'm able to have a clear head and a clear mind and be able to focus on day-to-day things instead of running from them like I did. Yeah, no, I, listen, we all understand that. Those of us that have uh, dealt with uh, addiction, I say it all the time. I don't know, like, I have so much open space in my brain now, <laughs> nowadays yeah, that, used, that used to be focused on when I'm going to bet, where I'm going to bet, how I'm going to bet. Yo, know, money issues, all that stuff. That's amazing yeah. the capacity we have to actually compartmentalize, you know, that that part of the addiction. So let's go back. Let's talk about how it started for you. Uh, how sure. old were you and what was your first kind of foray into gambling? Sure. So I was someone that really enjoyed playing cards. I actually played poker at the when I went to college, um, I was in college from 2006 to 2010, and I would play every Friday night at the at the diner. And it wasn't for money; we'd get like a can of soda or something. Um, but I enjoyed learning how to play. I'm a math person; I love math, and so it made sense to me. And it was not becoming a problem 
I didn't cross that invisible line like they talk about until December of 2015. I had broken my ankle, and I work as a, in the healthcare field, and at that point, I had to be off of work. And on in the GA book, it talks about the 20 questions, and number 15, boredom, loneliness, grief, loss, or trouble is are those reasons why we gambled, and I can say yes to all five, but it started with boredom. Okay. So you're 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 laid up at home. You have nothing to do. You like playing poker. You've gotten, I imagine, pretty good at it. The math, ma- the mathematical part of it turns you on, yeah. and now you've got time on your hands and an internet connection and a computer. I assume that's uh, where we're going. That is absolutely exactly where we're going. I got onto a few online poker sites, um, and it really, even at that point, wasn't that bad but it was a progressive deterioration and a progressive problem that continued to get worse i actually did take about six months off between april of 2017 and september um because my grandmother had passed away in um the December prior to that, and I had actually won a little bit of money, and I thought that was her saying, okay, I got you your money back, now stop. And I stopped, and then life happened, and I went back uh, and continued. And I did everything online. I couldn't stand going into the casino. Uh, It was too anxiety-provoking for me. So unfortunately, I had my phone at my fingertips 24-7. So so it's interesting. So you kind of like, you know, I used to hide at a blackjack table. Now, I did both. I did it on my phone, on a computer, and, of course, I physically walked into casinos. Mm -hmm. You kind of enjoyed the solitude of not having to be around anybody, right? Correct. I was more of one of those people that just wanted to hide and escape everything. And I didn't want to talk to anyone. I didn't want to interact with anyone. And it was a way for me to just escape. You know, they talk about escape gambling. And that was me tenfold. Let me go to Dan on that. Dan, listen, there are certain characteristics, personality characteristics that I think it's fair to say the majority, if not all gambling addicts share. And it seems like the... The escape is one of them, yeah? Yeah, it's the action and the escape. And what? And thank you, Danielle, for kind of sharing uh, at the start here, because what we hear from Danielle is, is not something we typically hear from female gamblers. Typically, the female gambler is the one who likes playing the scratch-off lottery ticket, the passive forms of gambling, the online casino, but playing the slot machine. Danielle is a math-oriented person, and poker and cards is what she kind of – and, and what you grew up around, Danielle, and what you really enjoyed doing because you love numbers. And so yes. you were getting the action from playing the poker, but you're also gambling to escape, right? So it's a combination of action and escape, which really makes it so so unique and so so different in some ways. So yes, as, as you started playing more and more, give us an idea at the height of the addiction – how many hours a day are we talking about? Like, if you sat down and said, all right, I'm going to go play some poker, were you the type of gal that had four games going on at once and you played for 15 hours? Like, what was it like? So um, I was, like he said, like Dan said, into cards. Um, when I got onto the apps on my phone, I switched over from poker to blackjack, and I thought I could beat it. I thought I knew the algorithm that they put in the system because there was an algorithm that I figured out and um, I would play for hours and hours on end. Um, I was 
uh, like I said, I work in the healthcare industry, and well, I'm going to stop you I there. Like, I, I just want, and I apologize. It's a very important part because you know blackjack was my game also, and I want to be yeah. clear as to what you're saying. I want to make sure I have it right for those of you that are listening at home. Danielle is not saying that she figured out the algorithm to win when you walk into a casino to play blackjack against six decks. She's saying that online, there is a mathematical equation that the computer program runs on, which creates a percentage-based result as you're playing against a computer online. And you believe you kind of cracked that code, correct? Yes, okay. I did believe that I cracked it. And, and for a while I did. However, as a compulsive gambler, I could never actually just leave with money. I didn't know how to do that. As much as I wanted to cash out, my brain wouldn't let me. And so it got to the point where even blackjack was too slow. I'm going to quote that in quotes, yeah. too slow for me. <laughs> and then I went to the slot because that was the click of a button and I didn't have to wait for even the computer cards to shuffle or anything like that. It was just immediate gratification to figure out if I was going to win. And That's no matter how many times I won, it always went all back. That is my life to a T. Poker, far too slow for me. Blackjack met the speed of my brain. And that's why I fell in love with Blackjack, because it was immediate. And that's why, well, listen, I, I can play poker. I'm pretty damn good at it. But I hated it because it was just, A, you fold 80% of the hands you get if you're any good at it. And B, it was just so slow. I hated it. So I get what you're saying in that regard uh, greatly. I really do. When you were at your height, to go back to that original question, Give people an idea of just how many hours you might dedicate to playing. So as as a nurse, I worked eight hours a day, Monday through Friday, um, and on the weekend sometimes. And I was playing during work at times. Um, so I would say about an hour to an hour and a half during my work day when I should have been concentrating on work, and as well as I would wake up in the middle of the night play for a few hours on my phone and when I got home. So I would say probably eight, nine hours a day I was on that phone. And even if I was out with people, I was still on my phone. So yeah. I wasn't actually present in the moment. I was present on my phone. Yeah, it's like that, that old uh, the old quote from the movie, Mr. Mom. Even when you're here, you're not here. That's right. Yes. That's right. That's what makes the gambling so interesting, too, Craig. You just said something about poker. You know, even if you're good at poker, you're folding 80% of those hands what we know about gambling, it's, it's the participation that matters, and that becomes addicting, too. So in a game like poker, which is A, slow, uh, B, you're folding 80% of the hands, it, it almost seems for the problem gambler it's only a matter of time until you start gravitating. I know when I was playing blackjack, I went from playing one hand at normal speed to playing three hands at fast speed. I mean, I, I sure. had to even speed up the game and play multiple hands while there were sports bets on because I just couldn't wait for the outcome of a game. So it's that speed and that reinforcement just continues to uh, progress. We're going to continue our Danielle and Dan Trillaro from the Council on Compulsive Gambling. In just a moment, you are listening to Hello, My Name is Craig here on Sports Radio 1019 FM, The Fan. Back to more of Hello, My Name is Craig on The Fan with your host, Craig Carton, and supported by the Council on Compulsive Gambling of New Jersey, 800-GAMBLER. All right, welcome back to Hello, My Name is Craig. Uh, Dan uh, from the uh, Council on Compulsive Gambling, 800-GAMBLER. And Danielle, a woman nice enough to uh, share her story, and congratulations on making a thousand days without making a wager, which is great. What, uh, Danielle? I have to ask, and I and I know it might be tough for you, and I appreciate you walking us through it. 
we all kind of had that. This was the final moment in our lives as gamblers. This was the low point. This was the point where I lost it all and had to you know, come clean or you know, the consequences might have been too much for me. What was your you know, lowest point that le- led you to ultimately try to get some help? Sure, thank you. So my final point, you know, they talked about did we get caught? Did we run out of money? I had no money left. I had blown through my savings. Uh, my husband and I got married June 4th of 2016. I had blown through the wedding money. Um, and I was having, it was starting to have a significant physical effect on me. Um, I had breathing problems for since I was 18. And I had gotten very sick just prior to stopping gambling to the point where I needed to learn how to walk again, et cetera. And even during rehab in an inpatient facility for 16 days, I was gambling on my phone every chance I had, waiting for therapy to be done so that I could gamble. And I recognized at that time, this is a serious problem. This isn't just a financial problem. This is now affecting me physically and emotionally as well. And I need to get help. And I still, for 10 more days after I got out of my rehab, still continued to gamble. And then finally, I called my father and I said, I need you to come to the house. I need to talk to you. And the second I sat down, he said, are you sick again? And I said, no. He said, are you gambling again? Hmm. And I said, yes, because my father is a recovering compulsive gambler. So so your dad saw the signs and knew the signs as a guy who lived uh, as a compulsive gambler. What about your husband? Was there any point in time where your husband said or came to you, sweetheart, there's something off, there's something wrong, what's going on, talk to me? Where Was there anything like that that happened prior to this? No. So I think as a compulsive gambler, I was very good at hiding what was going on. Um, my husband never looked at the finances, so he never saw the financial transactions that were happening. Uh, that was something that just, he never was used to doing that. So that was normal to not look at it. All my bills were always paid. However, I was robbing from one account to pay another account. And uh, he had asked me a few times when he'd see me on my phone, oh, is that play money? And I said, yes, it's play money. But in reality, it was not play money. And that was, that was devastating to him when I did come clean that night, actually. My dad helped me come clean to him the night that I came clean to my dad. And if you don't mind, what was that night like? How did he respond to it? That was probably, I've had some tough situations in my life, but that was probably one of the worst nights I've ever experienced. Um, mm-hmm. I honestly thought that my husband was going to leave me that night. Um, luckily for us, he does not believe in divorce, and he was accepting and understanding of the situation. He was very quiet. Um, I was crying, and I'm not, I'm beginning to learn how to be more emotional while in recovery, but prior to that, I wasn't one to show my emotions at all, and I was bawling my eyes out sitting on the couch, and my dad went up to him, and he said, you know, you know, Danielle has, uh, doesn't like to share her emotions very much, and you know that I've had some struggles with gambling before, because he had shared just a few tidbits with my husband, Right. And uh, he goes, but your wife has something to talk to you about. And at that point, he got up and left the house and let the two of us sit there and talk. And as scared as I was, I needed him. I needed his help to start the conversation, but I needed to take responsibility and finish it. And I was able to do that. But for the first five days, 
there was almost no conversation between us because every time I'd look at him, I'd start crying. Sure. Yeah. Sure. And now here you are a thousand days later, and I'm going to cross my fingers and ask, are things good now? Are things better? How are you guys doing? Yeah. Everything is great. Um, he has trusted me again. Um, our financial situation is better than it's ever been. And they, he and I have a lot more open communication than we ever had. He's also attended open meetings, uh, which has helped him understand the addiction better, um, including my mother-in-law and father-in-law have also attended my celebration meeting for my first year. Um, mm -hmm. And that helped them understand because uh, culturally, they're, they're an Asian culture, and culturally, they didn't understand it. It was not something that was normal for them and their in their family. And so it took them time to understand the situation, but they were accepting of it and supportive of it um, from then on. It's going to be a weird question to ask, but do you feel like having gone through this and now knock on wood successfully come out the other side that you're a better person for it? A thousand percent. My meeting last night, which I ran a meeting down in South Jersey on Wednesday nights, the topic that we talked about was basically the difference being grateful to be a compulsive gambler. Which, hmm. when I first heard that line in VA, yeah. I was flabbergasted to hear, I'm a recovering, I'm a grateful recovering compulsive gambler. I thought these people were crazy. And now I say the same thing because I am a completely different person from who I was uh, prior to uh, entering GA and recovery. As my parents put it, Danielle 1.0 was pre-gambling, 1.5 was dorm gambling, and 2.0 is after gambling and in recovery, and 2.0 is way better than any of the other ones were. Dan, I've never heard mm. that before. That's I, I think that's <laughs> fascinating, and I agree. If I heard that, I think I think I would have thought the people in that room were crazy. You know, yeah, early on, you know, in going to meetings and, and group uh, conversations. But I get it. That's why I asked the question. You know, I you know I always thought I was the greatest guy in the world. You know, best dad, best husband, all that stuff. You know, and, and I wasn't. You know, and I think for me and Dan, you can speak to this as well. It wasn't until. I was able to honestly acknowledge and take ownership of the things I did, the decisions I was making, the lies I was telling, and all yeah. those things until I became a better version of myself. Uh, so I, in a weird way, I, I think I convinced myself that I was a great guy, a great dad, a great husband, because I, I, I know I wanted to be. But, you know, in the throes of the addiction, when gambling was more important than anything else in the world, how could you possibly be a great dad or husband? So I, I do think the experience has allowed me to get back to where, you know, I always wanted to be. Yeah, we, it's so funny you said that. I was thinking about this uh, last week because, you know, we always talk about the lying in addiction and especially, you know, Danielle touched on it, you know, as, as compulsive or disordered gamblers, we've become very good at lying. They say, how do you know if a gambler is lying? They say, well, his lips are moving. You know, anything that comes out of the mouth is a lie, but it's also not just the lies we tell others. It's the lies that we tell ourselves. And it's when we start dissecting, and that's part of the pain that we have to walk through as recovering gamblers, we have to address and meet that pain head on and address those, those lies that, that I tell myself, I'm a great person, I'm a great dad, I'm, you know, I'm dedicated, whatever it might be. The truth is, at the end of the day, gambling was the only thing that mattered. We could give lip service, 
to our family, to our job, to other things. But it's what we did in that quiet time, what we did in that alone time that no one else could see. That's that lie that perpetuates itself. Yeah, there's another aspect to this conversation that is staying in my brain, so I want to I want to speak to it. You know, when you were playing uh, online, Danielle, and you you thought you'd figured out the you know, the the algorithm, you made a comment that you know, you couldn't get up and walk away, you couldn't turn the computer off. You know, right. there was a, a time in my life, and I and I've gone back and tried to quantify it, where all the times I did lose and, and lost significant money, there was a moment when I was up. When I was in the black and had I had the discipline to walk away in that moment, you know, I, I, there's times I think about, you know, the money, how much of it and how life would have been so much easier if I had maintained the discipline I started with and walked away as opposed to allowing my ego to get in the way and say, well, look, you know, you're going to lose, yo umpteen percent of uh, what's coming up next why not walk away with their money you know and uh, it, it struck me when you said that that you had figured out the math of it knew you were going to lose you had to know but you couldn't get up and walk away yeah that is one of the craziest parts for me of the addiction is that i knew when i was up it could fix problems and i could be okay and no matter how many times I was up, like you said, you were in the black at times, all that money would go back and a bunch of times over. And I, I saw it when I actually got a, a letter from the IRS in 2019 for 2017 taxes. So after I had stopped gambling, they went back and go, oh, you won X amount of money in 2017. And I was like, no, I didn't because I wouldn't have financial problems right now if I did. Right. And we got the win-loss statements, and it was significantly, significantly less. And in 2018, I was in the red, an astronomical amount of money. So no matter how many times it was up, everything went back, and then a bunch more. Yeah. Well, listen, it sounds like life is uh, good right now, so I think it's great. And one of the reasons I enjoy hearing other people share their stories is that for people that are going through it right now, just, just entering the world of, of addiction and trying to come to terms with it, people like you who share stories that can relate to it, I think is very powerful because if you are right now just starting your journey to try to conquer the addiction or you have a loved one that you are now in the moment worried about, you need to hear stories like Danielle's because it shows you that there is a way out. There is a light at the end of the tunnel. It takes work. It takes time. It's not easy. There's a lot of emotional heartache that comes with it. There's no doubt about it. There's a lot of financial uh, situations that arise as a result of it. But it's fixable. It's workable. And you can overcome it. And I really appreciate you sharing your story, Danielle. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Craig. Thank you, Dan. It was an honor to be on here. I appreciate it. And I hope that my story will help someone out there because it is a terrible disease, but it is a disease that can be arrested and you can fix yourself and better yourself in the future. Thanks so much. Appreciate your time this morning. Dan, any last comments from you before we get out of here? Yeah, I love what we've heard today. And it's always important to remember that it is, it's a daily, it's one day at a time we can arrest and, and, and work on a better tomorrow. And it happens one day at a time. And we get up and we do it again tomorrow, just like you said at the start, Craig, you know, one day at a time and 
just praying and hoping that tomorrow is another good day as well. That's it. Well, that's Dan Trelaro, Council on Compulsive Gambling, 1-800-GAMBLER, and Danielle from New Jersey. Appreciate both of your times. We'll do it again next week at 9.30. Coming up next, Evan Roberts, and then Evan and I will be back Monday at 2 o'clock in the afternoon for the Carton and Roberts program. Appreciate your time. Thank you for joining us on Hello, My Name is Craig on Sports Radio 1019 FM The Fan.